My favorite moment. My own journey. The best day of class. And it was just such an amazing experience. Thus we get to know each other. It set me on a path. It really sparked something inside of me. Drive a love for seeing the professor it's like really all i want to do is become a better me this is the coolest thing ever that i really enjoyed about saint rose hello hello hey neighbor it is so nice to see you inside not outside where the weather is turning just a touch frightful it is but the fire of our work is so delightful. Ah, ha, ha. <laughs> well, I'm so glad, as always, that we can make time to be here today in our Cozy Hearst studio to talk about important things. Me too. Well, let's just dive right in, okay? Let's go. Okay. Welcome listeners, and thank you for tuning back in to Dear Neighbor. I'm Liz Richards, here with my co-host Emily Pinkerton. If you've listened to previous episodes, you already know what we're about. We invite faculty, students, and administrators to sit down and have unscripted conversations about teaching, learning, and our college community here at St. Rose. Today, we are going to host some folks from Academic Advising who will talk about the relationships that they have with students. These are relationships that last the entirety of a student's time at St. Rose, and they do so much more than just discuss what classes to take semester to semester. Indeed. And as those of us who work closely with students know all too well, advisement isn't just limited to the period of time before registration. It's a year-long event. And later in the program, we'll hear from two students who attended a small group conversation with legal scholar Michelle Alexander, who visited our campus back in October. They will reflect on their conversation with her about the school-to-prison pipeline and how St. Rose students can become change agents. Oh, here come the neighbors from Academic Advising. Let's give them a warm welcome on this cold day. So my name is Jennifer Hankin. I am the Director of Academic Advising here at the College of St. Rose. I've actually been at St. Rose almost 12 years now, um, but I have worked in higher education for the past 24. I actually started in admissions and then made my way over to Academic Advising about 17 years ago, and I've been in this director role for the past four. My name is Jenny Sudachan. I'm the Assistant Director of Academic Advising. I've been in this role for four years, going on five, so very excited. Uh, before this, I went into school counseling for my master's program, and then I actually worked around the capital region doing psychoeducational groups for teens around the area, talking about a variety of things. Um, and then moved on to higher education because I really liked working with those high school students and seeing their transition to college. Hi, uh, my name is Joanne Kinsulo. I am a senior here at St. Rose. I'm a business management major, and I'm currently working at my work-study job at Academic Advising. I'm a student uh, office assistant. And we're very lucky to have you. <laughs> In our advising office, uh, I, I definitely think that we wear a lot of hats. You know, we, we certainly advise students in our current advising model. You know, all new students receive a general advisor, which is typically somebody from our office, as well as a faculty advisor, but we certainly have different roles. And in terms of the, 
mission at St. Rose and how we work into that, part of our advising model is we really want to advise students holistically. While students have faculty advisors who they meet with you know, every semester, they're talking about courses from semester to semester, making sure they're taking the right courses in the right order to graduate on time. Um, and certainly those faculty advisors are mentors for them as well. Uh, I, I think us on the other hand, I see that we kind of serve more of a holistic role in a student's development. So, you know, we will meet with new students, you know, once in their first semester, another time in their second, just making sure that they're transitioning to the college, um, they know what their degree requirements are, what the expectations are, but we're really there for support. Uh, you know, when we're asking them how they're transitioning and if they're having issues with study skills or they need to be referred to a different department. Joanne, in your experience, you know, you've, you've gone through this model. You have, I know Jenny is your general <laughs> advisor. You have your faculty advisor as well, but um, can you just talk a little bit about maybe your interactions with Jenny, you know, especially when you were a first year student and what your relationship was with her now? Yeah, so I remember my first time I met Jenny um, I don't know if you remember this, but it was when my high school guidance counselor actually came, actually came. I definitely remember that. <laughs> I do. And uh, we just discussed, you know, majors, just how to how the transition to college is, was going to go from high school. Um, and at that point, I actually didn't know you were going to be my general advisor. I didn't know and either. Then, <laughs> and then, you know, first. First year came, first week, and I saw the email from Jenny. And then, you know, our first time meeting during our advising session, I feel like it went really well. Kind of got, again, got the impression, you know, you know, she cares. I think this is going to be someone I'm going to go to. Jenny has definitely helped me a lot um, in and out of academics, and I am, I am very proud that she's my advisor. I, I think we have a good relationship. Aw, thanks, <laughs> Well, and I think the, the special thing is – a lot of the time students will come in, they'll talk about like degree works, what classes should I take? But then the conversation starts to evolve really into other parts of your life and how we can still help out outside of academics. Mm -hmm. I mean, we have a lot of, these are the things that you need to do to adulting, right? <laughs> Having those conversations, understanding, well, after you graduate, right? And we're not, no longer here as general advisors per se. What are the things that you should be looking out for? Yeah, uh, I, I do know that, you know, we've had multiple conversations about, you know, what's going to be coming after college, how to adult, you know, driver's license, like doctor's appointments, <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, necessary. just like all the normal adulting stuff. And, you know, I, I have someone that I know cares and, I can, and that I can reach out to at the college. You know, it's not just about, you know, you need to get this degree and you need to do this. It's just you need to be able to take care of yourself, yourself to take those steps to get there. That's one of the things that has evolved, especially for me over the years. I see that as an advisor earlier, it was a lot about academic advising. But I feel like my our roles are going from advisor to counselor to life coach to cheerleader. And I, and I think that students have that need they have you have a lot going on in your lives and students are dealing in my opinion it seems like you're dealing with more now than 
students in the past were, or maybe it's just more prevalent? I would say that it's definitely stressful. Um, I definitely feel the (laughs) impending doom of what will be coming after uh, graduation and becoming a full-fledged adult, per se. Um, You know, taxes, bills, you know, politics, everything else that comes into play when you become an adult. Um, it, it definitely is a struggle to understand and, you know, again, having people there that will at least help guide you in the place and where you want to go and at least guide you in understanding your own emotions. You know, like you said, uh, kind of evolved into a little bit more of a life coach than I think you signed up for. (laughs) Um, but you know, mental health, I know has been a real struggle with a lot of people. You know, I've seen you guys, you know, take a lot of people under your wing and try to help them and try to uh, encourage them to do well academically and as individuals as well. How does that feel for you guys, really, just being life coaches instead of just advisors? I think the after effects of COVID and what that's done to not just students, but people around the college and higher education in general it's it's been a challenge because there's just so many varying emotions and the need for support is greater than ever. I do think that part of our conversations between staff and even being vulnerable with our students have certainly helped in expressing that yeah there there are many hard and difficult challenges and many times it's an uphill battle but just being able to express that they are in an environment that is safe, that is supportive, that we are here for them just as much as they're the reason why we are here in this role and in this job is to be able to help students meet their potential and the success that we all want them to see. That is something that always keeps me going and I know that is the conversation we have in our office quite a bit when we see a student who's struggling and we're brainstorming the best way to help them and to help each other. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I mean, St. Rose talks about educating the whole person. And I've had some tough conversations with students because, you know, academic success isn't just about the, the grades, right? students really have to understand that they have to take care of themselves before they can take care of others. And I know, you know, people have a lot of strong friendships out there and that's wonderful, but sometimes they have to put themselves first before they can put others first in order to be successful. So if that means, you know, going to bed a little bit earlier, you know, making sure that you're having balanced meals, um, you know, put giving yourself yourself enough time to take care of you you know we keep using that word adulting because this is what it is you're you're in college now you're 18 you know you're independent or you're trying to be as independent as possible but sometimes that means changing your priorities a little bit you know I remember you know truthfully honestly my first first year I was like oh my god am I gonna do this can I make this am I gonna make it to four years because I don't know you know, it, it was very, also at that time in my life, I was in a very bad place mentally. And at that point, I was like, what is, what's the future going to be? And, you know, my mom was like, you know, you can do it, reach out, which is what I did. I reached out to everybody that I could. You know, I started seeing the counseling center. 
and they helped exponentially um, after I started talking with them. And, you know, now I'm a senior. I'm a semester away from graduating, or at least a semester and a half. <laughs> and I, I couldn't be prouder to say that I come here. Joanne, where did you find that motivation to reach out for help, to go to the counseling center? Because that's, that's a big step, and mm-hmm. some students are afraid to take that. I think everyone finds it differently. My motivation personally was my mother. And she's like, Joanne, I see you struggling. You need someone. And I was like, I don't know who to reach out to. And that's when, um, you know, I went to Jenny and I was like, I don't know what to do. And Jenny's like, go to counseling center. And my faculty advisor, shout out to Professor Gordon, uh, <laughs> said the exact same thing. She was like, yeah, you need the counseling center if you need help, if you want help. I, I suggest you go. And I met with Liz. And since then, it was... Me and her have a good relationship, and she's there whenever I need her, and I know I have somewhere to go to if I ever feel like I'm struggling mentally. What was your thought process, though? Because I've talked to many students, and we've always discussed those options and being able to reach out, and some students do and some students don't. Mm -hmm. So what was the thing that really helped in making those connections with those individuals? I would say the biggest thing that helped me um, was, again, like the motivation that, you know, I'm going to get this degree. On my dad's side, I'm first-generation college student. So I was like, okay. I'm not going to say I'm, I'm here just to make my family proud, but it, it's one of those things where it's like I know I can be something more. And I, at that point, you know, mentally, I was just in a roadblock of like, I don't know what I'm going to do, where, where is this going? And, and again, like those, can I get through this? So, you know, being a, just keeping the end in mind really just was like what drove me into getting help. And, um, I'm again, forever grateful about the help that I got. I find especially over the past few years, students are rule followers. If you tell them what to do to a T, they'll do it. Right. Um, But I also see that I've had to be a little bit more direct with them over the years. You know, I I also often say that, you know, I'm I'm sympathetic. I can be understanding, but I'm not going to sugarcoat anything. Right. Joanne, you know this firsthand. (laughs) Very firsthand. (laughs) (laughs) But at the same time, I feel like I have these high expectations and I know that you in particular can rise to them. Has it been helpful in terms of having somebody who can be you know direct with you I've heard you say this on number of occasions you see me as your second mother (laughs) I I don't think that that's this that's true and with all students here at St. Rose but (laughs) I I know because you work in our office we have you know a close relationship Um, but has has that helped you over the years do you see that students need that you know the directness now I think some do I think I think some do and I think some don't. Um, I think some students need a maternal figure. I, need, I think some students, like you said, need directions to follow to a T to really achieve their goals. Because um, I think some people, you know, uh, for a lot of students, this is their first time on their own. And they kind of lack direction. Um, so I think for some students, get it, having a 
firmer hand helps. <laughs> um, but some people just already know what they need to do and how to get there. And so I think that they might just need more support than they need direction. St. Rose has a very diverse student population in every sense of the word. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's obviously students coming from all different backgrounds, but also students who are very prepared to be here and some who might not have been as prepared. And, you know, as educators, we're just trying to get everybody on the same level. And that can be a challenge as well because I don't think you can treat everybody the same but just trying to figure out what one student needs uh, and what another doesn't because um, you you know you want to treat everybody like adults but we can't just assume that everybody knows everything that they need to mm -hmm. so it's like how do you how do you get that information out and I think that's one of the things that I really struggle with uh, you know even when we have these advising appointments with the new students um, they all can't be, they all can't be the same. I felt like I really had to figure out and listen and be able to pivot because you don't want to come across as con condescending, but at the same time, you have to figure out what everybody needs. And I think that's part of why we do try to meet every single incoming first year student to really understand, well, where are you at? Did you have someone that already showed you the process. We actually have met so many students who had siblings who were upperclassmen or friends who were upperclassmen and they've already shown them everything or they might not have known how to use degree works, how to open up their secure site, how to leave a signature on an email. There, there's varying degrees and I feel like that's the point of us meeting with them all to discover where they're at, what are their needs, how do we help at that point. Uh, but certainly, I think that we've also discussed there are some commonalities that have been occurring with COVID and how high schools are, are run now and the transition to college is still very, very challenging, uh, no matter what background that you're coming from, whether it's because of an academic component or a social component of uh, interacting with each other, joining clubs, and really putting yourself out there. I definitely think that students are hesitant to try to get connected to campus. You know, when I was in college, everybody was involved in at least one club organization, and it was always a drive to get something on your resume and what experience you could get out of it. You know, what was the icing on the cake? Um, but I, I'm seeing students a little bit more hesitant to get involved, but I know that in order to make the most out of their college experience, they, they should get you know as involved as possible to be able to network to get those experiences. I understand where you're coming from. I, I kind of see it as well. Freshman year, it was very much like you need to join a club, you need to make friends, you know, like you said, something to put on your resume. Um, now, I, I don't know if it's COVID. Um, I don't know if it's social anxiety. I don't know exactly where it is. I have seen people kind of just drawing on themselves and not really want to talk. You know, I mean, I'm kind of guilty of it as well. You know, I wake up, go to class, get food, go back, you know. <laughs> um, some of it's just like, you know, my, uh, my work schedule at my other job is kind of uh, crazy. So a lot of the times I can't really attend certain events that I would like to. 
so I have noticed that some people just kind of don't want to get as involved. We're locked up for over a year, and now that we're finally free and able to meet other people um, fairly safe, you can't, it, now, now it's hard because you, you kind of feel like you have to relearn how to socialize. Um, so I've definitely experienced a lot of closed offness and a, a lot of uh, just hesitancy when it's come to that. At least for me, I get a lot of, oh, yeah, I've thought about getting involved on campus, but I'm going to do it next year. I'm going to do it next semester. It's nothing, it, you know, it, it, it's, a, it's a way that they're going to just push it off. And honestly, I, I don't know whether they actually got involved in, in anything or not. But, you know, what I find is that if they can find somebody to get involved with them, if they can bring their roommate, if they can bring a friend of theirs, you know, to a meeting, then it's it's easier to go to than on than on their own. I definitely have seen that students just want to feel like they're adjusting and settling in that first semester to feel comfortable enough that when their second semester comes around, they feel like they can go out of their comfort zone. Uh, but at that point, it's also hard because you you get just the the fear that you you don't fit in or you're not quite comfortable uh, being in a group that might have already exist like you lost out on that key opportunity to like make friends I feel like I've had a lot of interactions with students at that point as well Uh, but I think what people don't realize is once you graduate and you enter like a different environment it's going to be something similar that happens that you're going to make those connections and you're going to have to put yourself out there a little bit. I've noticed that some students really struggle with their independence here, that they have been very dependent on mom and dad prior to this. Mom and dad have handled a lot of the things you know, issues with them in the past. They're the ones that were talking with their high school teachers. They've just kind of paved the way. How was your transition from high school? Did you, did you have to kind of figure out that independence on your own? I, huh, this is a toughie. I, uh, you know, lost my father fairly young. Um, that kind of just drove me and my mom very close. Um, my mom, my parents in general, they didn't like to call themselves overprotective. I knew they were. And uh, <laughs> they they let me form my own opinions on things socially. Um, but when it came to academics, they were extremely hands-on. Like, coming into college, it was very much, uh, I knew what I had to do when it came to speaking to professors, speaking to faculty and staff like you guys. Um, just, you know, setting up appointments when I needed to. Uh, I already kind of knew what the expectation was for that. I did not anticipate not having, this is going to sound weird, but not having the closeness that I had when I was in high school because I was extremely close to all of my teachers in high school. When you're in high school, I was kind of just used to, oh, just here's some more extra credit. Here's extra time and no points off. Here's this. And then when you come here, it's, oh, no, you need to hand things in on time or they will not give you any points. (laughs) And that was kind of the biggest transition for me was more of the um, 
uh, separating the emotional uh, attachments that I had and actually doing not actually doing my work but actually um, being able to separate how I feel emotionally versus how I interact with my other professors as well Um, I mean and I definitely did talk to my mom about it she definitely helped encourage me but she also knew that you know now that I'm in college it's time for me to actually step up and do things without her there um freshman year was tough for her though she was like do you want me to call them for you i'm like no (laughs) no you don't have to at all it's fine thank you (laughs) and and that's great i mean you're you're talking about advocating for yourselves and i think we talk about this theme a lot um that some students have a hard time advocating for themselves because they have never had to before it's interesting because when i talk to some students and they're, you know, they're telling me they're having a hard time in class. And I say, have you talked to your professors yet? And they're like, oh, no, like that, like, like, it sounds like it's the most intimidating thing ever. <laughs> and it's interesting to me because I'm hoping part of the reason they chose to come to St. Rose is because of the small class size. So I don't see a huge difference between the size of the class from from their high school mm-hmm. to here. But yet they're idea of that authority figure the professor they're you know especially if they've got a doctor in their title it it just seems very intimidating do you Joanne do you have any um advice for our professors on campus in terms of how to make that relationship more comfortable for them how can professors become less intimidating to the to the Mm -hmm. students so they do ask for help so they do go to office hours you know what can the professors say to the students to make them more comfortable the professors I've always been closest to are the ones that number one are not scared to say how say things how they are but they're also very down-to-earth caring people um uh, a specific professor that I'm close to I I've had multiple classes with her she does not cut corners. She tells everybody what they're supposed to do, how they're supposed to do it. But at the same time, if you need help, all you have to do say is, I need help, and she'll be there for you. I think some professors just need to be vulnerable themselves. Because <laughs> I feel like some professors are very closed off and very, and again, in that whole hierarchy of, I'm the professor, so I'm going to be up here. These are my students. They have to be down here and they need to respect me. But like you said, if they're not personable during class, they're not going to want to go to office hours. So no one, you're not, they're not going to know what you're really like if you're standoffish during class. The people that I've been closest to are like, this is my, I'm, I have this many kids. This is my family. I have a dog. What, what is your family like? You know, let's do a small icebreaker. What's up guys? Like very laid back, like kind of just you know welcoming you know there are certain classes where you're just like this is the class I was meant to be in because you're just so close to the other students and you're close to the professor and they just make it a good time that you just are excited to go to class so I think just don't don't see students as below you see them as people who want to reach where you are and get and just at the end of the day, they just want to graduate and be better. And that's what we want to do. One of the things that came up, we were talking to a different work-study student today, was the preparation and 
how to prepare from high school to college because what I've noticed is that some students here don't have this some of the students don't have the study skills what I fear and what I've heard from some students is that when they get here they don't know how to take a note they might be sitting in biology or chemistry uh, even English and they don't know how to take notes how can students better prepare to come into college when they might have been spoon-fed review packets for tests in high school and just knowing how to prepare for an exam knowing how to take notes I would say don't use your laptop to take notes at all I don't personally because I don't retain the information as well when I'm typing. You know, I use my laptop in class either to look something up that the professor said, or I'm using it to look at the slides to make sure I have everything down from that what I need. Mm-hmm. Or if you are using your laptop to write down notes, just um, I would say write them down your la- in a notebook later. Um, again, like I remember freshman year, I went overboard on notes. <laughs> I wrote down everything the professor said. It's like, and at the end of the day, you don't need to. I'm just going to say it because I've said this over and over again. I really think that there's a need here for some type of freshman seminar course for our incoming students because people come from all different backgrounds. We can't assume that somebody knows how to take notes. We can't assume somebody knows how to study. But at the same time, if we're going to serve them, we need to meet them where they are. 100% agreed. 100% agree. So my big takeaway from this conversation is that a key way to maintain high standards for students is creating benchmarks for them to meet those standards. We can't just tell them, you need to be here. It's our job to help them get there. Like Jen said, we need to meet them where they are. And it's not just academic standards. It's where they need to be socially, uh, emotionally. Yeah, learning from Joanne, Jenny, and Jen, each student brings a unique set of skills, you know, and and in that one-to-one encounter that academic advising is able to have with each student, especially in that first year, they can have a real detailed conversation that, that, that tells the advisor, what can I do to help this particular student that is coming here with this particular combination of skill sets? perhaps highly academically prepared, but less socially prepared, or vice versa. Everyone brings a unique combination here, and we have a really responsive advising system that is going to help them succeed in this global, overall college experiences that is inside and outside the classroom. Yeah, they're providing a customized experience for each student, meeting each student where they are, helping them get to where they need to be. Yeah, a holistic approach. As Jen says, that aligns with our college mission. Hear, hear. In the last part of our program today, we're going to talk to Denise Edwards and Ebony Holman. They are two of the students who participated in a small group conversation with legal scholar, activist, and author Michelle Alexander back in October. Their gathering focused on the school-to-prison pipeline and preparing yourself to be part of enacting structural change. I know Denise and Ebony are really committed to continuing this conversation within our St. Rose context, as well as thinking about what they're gonna do in their future careers. So I'm super excited that they're gonna swing by and and share their thoughts with us. Yeah, let's invite them in. 
My name is Denise Edwards and I am a psychology major. I am a, tr a junior transfer. Um, my goals are to do counseling, um, but also remain in the field of human resources. So I'm really excited about the journey at St. Rose. My name is Ebony Holman. I am a junior and I am a public health major. And my dreams and aspirations is to become an epidemiologist and to um, be an activist in what I believe in. I think that now that we've had the conversation, one thing that would be interesting um, to see is because we heard that, you know, we can head this problem off in elementary school, right? Um, I think that if we can be put in those settings, even as like uh, research opportunities or internships, we can make a difference with these kids, giving them access to us, um, letting them see where they can go and the possibilities. We were talking about like the school to prison pipeline and things like that and um, how the zero tolerance policies came to be. And if you don't have parents or family members who advocate for you or know how to advocate for you, you could find yourself in a real complicated situation um, that could be turned around if you do have the knowledge. Um, so I think that if we can start sooner, we can introduce ourselves and resources sooner because we have a lot of knowledge, whether we know it or not, even if you haven't had a job yet. I mean, think about all the things um, that we've learned since we've been here, the access to resources that we have since being here. Like, you don't need to have money to make a difference. I think that if we can meet these kids where they are, we can do real good. Um, one thing that Michelle Alexander talked about was dismantling systems. And I think that is so important because I feel as though how the system is made, it's against us as in the black community. It wasn't made to help us. It wasn't made to include us. And so therefore it's working just fine. It's not broken. And they use that term, oh, we have to fix it. We have to fix it. No, we have to dismantle it. I want to um, also talk about schools and, and how discrimination is institutionalized. Dividing certain kids of low poverty to certain schools and other other kids that have a better um, financial stability to schools that p can provide better education. And I feel that it teaches kids about separation and division. And I also think in certain um, neighborhoods, there's a lot of opportunity hoarding where um, families aren't able to live in environments so their kids are able to go to school and so they're unable to get good jobs when we were talking about breaking down the system and rebuilding it like I know that it's going to be hard work um, but I've always thought we are so brilliant like you know our parents our grandparents our great-grandparents you know our ancestors the people that we come from did it with nothing and we have all these tools at our disposal we can absolutely get it done we just have to work together Michelle Alexander said, dare to dream. Next time on Dear Neighbor, creating community in the classroom and beyond. 
we hear from storytelling expert, Professor Jessica Utatibe from the Department of Communications. It's important for me to have students have an experience beyond the classroom. I have students working with a mix of community clients. And I feel that it's important to let students know that while you're here for the four years, um, for your undergraduate studies, you need to also connect with organizations outside of the College of St. Rose. And that is part of your community for the time that you're here. Have a comment about this episode or want to hear something in a future episode? Drop us a note at stroes.edu backslash dear hyphen neighbor. There is a submission form at the bottom of the screen. You can send us an email or voice memo anytime at dearneighbor at as well. And the conversation continues on Instagram at dear underscore neighbor underscore podcast. In the spring, we're going to take a look at mental health on campus. So please feel free to share your thoughts on that in particular. Dear Neighbor is hosted by Liz Richards and Emily Pinkerton, who also produce and edit the show. Our theme music entitled Sad at the Party was composed by Michael Sanchez. Funding for Dear Neighbor is provided by the Provost's Office at the College of St. Rose. Thanks so much to our participants from this episode in order of appearance, Jen Hankin, Jenny Sudichan, Joanne Consulo, Denise Edwards, and Ebony Holman. And a big thanks again to you listeners for tuning back in to Dear Neighbor. See you around the neighborhood.